right, folks, it's time for part three of What in the History's coverage of Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders. I'm Dan Brady. I'm Johnny Smith. And I feel like I just took a whole shit ton of cocaine, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I don't feel quite that energetic. Yeah, I, I come alive when I hit record, man. Yeah, I've seen it in person, folks. It's like a, a jolt of energy. <laughs> or a big line of cocaine. Anyway, uh, so how was your day? Doing good? Uh, yeah, I got no complaints. Pretty decent day. You ready to find out about the Battle of San Juan Hill? Yeah, let's, let's get rolling. Uh, do, you, do you know anything about this battle at all? Not much at all, other than it's called the Battle of San Juan Hill. Okay, and, you know, Teddy Roosevelt kind of uh, hardened and fortified his legacy here. Okay. You know, like, he, he just, the entire time he rides up the hill on horseback amidst gunfire and all this stuff, and as you're going to see, it's, it's this huge chaotic mess, and Teddy Roosevelt rightly unfucks it, and <clears throat> that's where, like, a lot of the legend of Teddy comes from. Okay, so he rode around with no fear and all that jazz. Yeah, man. Okay, he was like crazy horse. He, he was a crazy guy on a horse for sure. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with that, that uh, Native American named Crazy Horse. It yes. was always legendary how he rode through battles, mm -hmm. never getting hit. Yeah, oh, that, was, that, was, that was just the charm we bring to the podcast, huh? Um. There's, there's several other commanders who are notable for, uh, um, you know, standing in the face of combat. Most notably, there's uh, Stonewall Jackson from the Confederate Army during the Civil War. Uh, got that name because people don't know if he was scared the first time he was shot at or he was just, like, amped up. But the funny story about Stonewall is he became known as the one of the Confederate's top generals. Um, but he still, uh, like when he taught at West Point, he was like regarded as this nerdy dude. Oh, okay. So nobody expected him to be a hardened war fighter. They're just, you know. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I've been known to stand in the face of battle, but <clears throat> coincidentally, I call my shower the face of battle. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's right. Who can who can make the worst joke tonight? Mm. Your mom, because she had you. <laughs> okay. Anyway. That almost didn't happen. That almost didn't happen, by the way. <laughs> oh my God! All right. Well, we're not going to yeah. talk. Of, we're not going to talk about your messed up coat hanger. Abortion. Actually, it has a connection with you, Dan. Oh yeah. The first, the first time I met you in Akron. Uh, as I was driving in the car with my mother, we passed the abortion clinic that she was getting ready to take me to. That's nice. Yeah, so I got, sweet, I got sweet memories with you. <laughs> All right, since we already derailed <laughs> this. Um, remember, when we last left the Rough Riders, they just had their first experience of contact. Um, so over the next couple of days, they just kind of make camp, um, rest, uh, and just wait for further orders. Uh, some notable things happen. The men discover mangoes for the first time uh, because, you know. Oh. Yeah. And uh, limes, too. They, they mangoes were, and limes were new to them. Yes. They were known to uh, take the juices of the lime and mix it with sugar and make their own type of limeade. <coughs> You know, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I prefer lime over lemon. No, no, I agree. Um, when I'm eating tacos or fried fish, stuff like that, I always request uh, a slice of uh, lime because they always give you lemon, and that doesn't taste good. Yeah, I prefer limeade much more to lemonade. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so... And also at this time, uh, Colonel Wood was uh, removed to lead a brigade. Uh, so that left Colonel Roosevelt for the first time, the Rough Riders were actually Roosevelt's Rough Riders. Oh boy. 
So Wood Wood never got recognition as a commander of the Rough Riders. Roosevelt did, but I mean, uh, because of this war, Wood really uh, his his uh, military career blossomed. Oh, it blossomed. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. That's good. He becomes a general and so on and so forth. Because remember, he was just a he was the uh, the president's medical doctor. President's oh, okay. physician. Right. So uh, on June 28th, uh, a Tuesday, General Schaefer and his staff rode past the Rough Rider camp. For those troopers who had not yet seen the 5th Corps commander, his huge bulk was something to behold. Uh, a trooper recorded in his diary that general, the general looked like he could carry the mule better than the mule could carry him. So was he a stocky man, like was, built like a like a brick wall, or was, was the, the mule fat. shitty? He was fat. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, the day before Schefter's appearance at the Rough Rider camp, scouting parties and correspondent <laughs> Davis spotted some ominous-looking activity on the west on Los Cerros del Rio San Juan, the north-south hills overlooking Santiago. Um, and if anyone's out there wondering. Yes, that was a perfect native pronunciation. Was it? Sure. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> if, you if you like hearing a white man say Spanish words, this is a podcast for you. Oh, man, our target audience. It's America. Um, speak American. Uh, the Americans named the hill San Juan Heights. There, that's an easier to pronounce name. Uh, an occasional ranch house or villa was visible there. Uh, the buildings abandoned long ago, but since fortified, fortified by the Spaniards. Uh, the most distinctive of these was located on a long grassy ridge that would become known as San Juan Hill. Okay. Near th this blockhouse, um, one of the blockhouses, a long scar began taking shape on the hillside. The Spaniards were digging trenches and rifle pits, and their straw sombreros would be seen bobbing up and down. So they're getting ready. Okay, they're prepping. Um, the men were worried about these trenches and wondered how they would be would forcibly take them in the face of Spanish Mausers and machine guns. A rough rider with one of the scouting parties wrote his parents that chances are we will have a desperate fight to take that place. Roosevelt would later explain that a generation had passed since the Civil War and most men had forgotten how formidable entrenchments were and did not realize the immense resisting power of even small blockhouses when attacked by infantry, unsupported or not properly supported by artillery. Okay. So, <clears throat> yeah, uh, on the morning of June 30th, uh, about 3 p.m., a staff officer rode up to the Rough Riders headquarters with orders for the regiment to move out in an hour. He also informed Wood and Roosevelt that General Wheeler and General Young were down with the fever, yellow fever, that is. Okay. Wood, that, that almost sounds like a song, down with the fever. Down with the sickness. A wah ah ah ah. A wah ah ah ah. Um, Wood, uh, because of this, Wood, again, like I said, would take command of Young's 2nd Brigade. Uh, that left Roosevelt in sole command. It was now his unit. Uh, bugle sounded as the men hurriedly took down their shelters, tents, and rolled their blankets. Lines formed for the issuing of three days' rations. So they're getting ready to go forward. The officers formed the regiment into a column alongside the road and waited and waited some more. General Schaefer's marching orders were received by many of his regiments at, their, at nearly the same time with no attempt to stagger their advance. Consequently, the road was no more than 10 feet wide, became a clogged river of thousands of men. Finally, after what seemed like hours, Roosevelt was able to get his regiment onto the road behind the 1st and 10th cavalry. Okay. So, 
because this general issued the orders at the same time, you have thousands of men on the same road, all going in the same direction. It creates clogs, stoppages. It, it's not fun. So it's just chaotic. Yes. He's not helping anybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, so uh, they they march um, at about 9 p.m. The regiment reached El Pozo, a prominent hill, uh, approximately a mile and a half east of San Juan Blockhouse, next to the Sibony Santiago Road. Roosevelt led his column off the road to the left and toward the hill summit where there was a abandoned sugar plantation. So they they bed for the night here. By the sugar plantation? Right. Uh, so Roosevelt received nothing in ways of orders for his regiment. What he did know was that General Lawton's infantry division, more than 6,000 men would begin the day's fighting by attacking a village three miles to the north called El Can Canay. Uh, garrisoned by approximately 500 Spanish soldiers. The village was on the Santiago Guantanamo Road over which the Spaniards might bring reinforcements. In enemy hands, the town would be a threat to Schaefer's right flank and rear when he made his assault on San Juan Hill. So it was important that the city fell first. And this is his strategy since he didn't receive orders? No, no, this is the general strategy of the army. Okay. Roosevelt just didn't receive orders yet, but this is what was happening everywhere. <laughs> that was like the overall standing yeah. orders. Okay. So uh, Lawton's division, after he took the town, uh, which uh, Lawton told General Shaker the village would be his in two hours. It would later be over 10 hours it took him. Uh, he was to march his force southwest and join on the right uh, Shapers remaining two divisions now waiting near El Pozo Hill. Uh, those were the infantry divisions of General Jacob Kent and Wheeler's dismounted cavalry under um, Brigadier General Samuel Sumner due to William, uh, Wheeler's illness. All three divisions were then to advance on San Juan Heights. Okay. At 7 a, 7.30 a.m., the Rough Riders heard the booming of artillery that signaled the beginning of the bombardment of El Canay. Uh, about 30 minutes later, <coughs> um, sorry, that's not useful. <coughs> I'm all over the place today. Um, fucking fire me. Yeah. You're, hey, your salary's getting cut. Um. The Spanish artillery started firing. Uh, they fired at smokeless powder, so it was almost impossible to spot the artillery. They had the advantage. Uh, Roosevelt and Wood sprinted for their horses just as Roosevelt pulled himself up onto Little Texas. A fragment from the exploding shell struck his right wrist, causing an awful bump and some bleeding. That's the first one, he muttered. Uh, they'll have to do better than that the next time. Oh man, this is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then uh, an officer shouted forward, bugle sounded. Um, the troopers swiftly marched below uh, Grimes Battery and turned onto the narrow and muddy Sibony Santiago Road and into infamy. Um, a legend more than light, more than, uh, you know. Uh, this is where the Rough Riders are known. This is where Teddy Roosevelt, you know, becomes even more famous. He becomes a hero in the eyes of the American. Uh, the okay. Rough Riders, about 490 men, kept marching northwest. Because you got to remember, um, the Rough Riders were even a well-known unit, even though they didn't do anything yet in battle, uh, because Roosevelt was involved. Uh, so the American nation... It was just, it was just like, uh, like yeah. oh, oh. To their concern, it was just Rough Riders on Cuba. <coughs> so the Rough Riders, about 490 men, kept marching northeast till an area of scattered uh, trees and call grass with a with a with the lost 
Gamus Creek on their immediate right. Heavy gunfire and sound of booming artillery continued from the heights as Roosevelt led the regiment behind the 1st Brigade, which was already deploying a line of skirmishers. Suddenly, six men jumped up in front of the column with their hands raised, and they advanced. the advance guard surrounded them. They looked like Spanish guerrillas, but they're claiming they were insurrectos. Uh, Roosevelt called up Captain Luna, who spoke fluent Spanish and was able to question the men. After a brief exchange, Roosevelt let the men go. There were some Cuban entrenchments nearby, so it's best to give them the benefit of the doubt. But an officer noticed that as soon as the men were released, they headed directly in the direction of the Spanish lines. Hmm. Uh, Roosevelt called the regiment to stop after they reached the Suckham Road or lane that ran west across the valley for a few hundred yards to a hill just to the right and forward of San Juan Hill. A fortified ranch house stood on its summit along with other structures fronted by rifle pits full of mauser toting spaniards. Next to the building were three large cast iron kettles used for refining sugar. That place would be dubbed Kettle Hill before the day was out. A heavy tree line at the hill's base revealed the course of the San Juan River. Roosevelt ordered his men to face Kettle Hill and told them to lie down behind whatever cover they could find. They would be held in reserve until or orders came for an advance. In characteristic fashion, Roosevelt, he had already sent someone back to hurry those orders along. Okay. So, you know, Roosevelt, eager to get his men killed. Yeah, uh, uh, seems like it. Uh, the bull battle was fully on now, and the Spaniards were engaging in a heavy volley firing, which is them all firing at once. That's what a volley is. Okay. It's very Thank devastating. You, because I was very curious. It's very devastating if done properly. Um, so now... Uh, the Mauser bullets drove in sheets through the trees and the tall grass, Roosevelt recalled, making a particular warring and wrestling sound. Uh, there are Spanish snipers hidden in the top of palm trees. They're getting shot from on top of the hill. It's just, just a hell and a chaos full of gunfire and artillery shells. So were they able to fire back at all? Yes, but, you know... The, the Spanish were entrenched. Oh, Roosevelt, so they were set in and they were, they were well prepared. Uh, Roosevelt shouted, boys, this is the day we repeat what we've done before. You know we are surrounded by the regulars. They are around us thick and heavy. Don't forget where you belong, Roosevelt continued. Don't forget what you are fighting for. Don't forget, boys, that your reward is not in the immediate present but think of what will come in the future. Roosevelt was riding up uh, along his men, saw men clutching a fresh wound in the arm or leg. He held up his bandaged wrist and said, see here, boys, I've got it too. So just very encouraging, very motivational. Yeah, it's, I mean, it seems like it. But casualties continued to... Uh, to mount among the Rough Riders, uh, their time waiting as reserves approaching an hour. If I have all the lead and steel the Spaniards sent over our heads, wrote an Arizona trooper, I would have enough metal to dam the Grand Canyon. Those shells they sent us had a mournful sound. <clears throat> so they're just, they're pinned down. They're, you know, getting basically shot up. Yeah. Um, it was past noon, and the Rough Riders still did not know if they would be called for. The entire cavalry division had moved very little since being deployed, and no one had seen General's lot in infantry, which was supposed to have taken that city by now. So they're being delayed, and they're under fire. They're out in the open. They're very, very easily targeted, but there's still no word coming. So they, they feel, what, they're just sitting ducks? Basically. Okay. Um, Roosevelt, uh, he had far too much of this waiting while his Rough Riders were being shot to, pe shot to pieces. 
he remembered the old military um, saying, go to the sound of the guns, and had nearly decided to advance on his own initiative when an officer galloped up with orders, move forward and support the regulars in the assault on the hills in front. The objective was the red tiled house visible on top of Kettle Hill. This began for what Roosevelt would fondly call my crowded owl. So he got on his horse, he rode down, uh, rode down his line shouting to the men and to the captains to send their men forward. Advancing columns of troops, he told them, <clears throat> so, uh, well, come on, he screamed. No one moved, and although every soldier had plainly heard the lieutenant colonel. What are you, yeah, cowards? A flustered Roosevelt spit out. A grinning trooper replied, we're waiting for the command. Roosevelt's face relaxed, and there was a slight hint of a smile. Forward, march, he yelled, and the men started forward. Oh, what? You know what? I don't even like this little part of that story. <laughs> this is so stupid. Like, if I'm being real, this is the dumbest part. <laughs> and then a, then, a, then a relaxed look laid across well, his face. Think about, think about it like this. They wanted to be ordered in battle by Roosevelt officially, not just, hey, guys, come on. Uh, just Dan, like, have you ever read A Confederacy of Dunces? No, I have not. Okay, well, any listeners out there that have read it, I'm picturing Ignatius Riley uh, as as Theodore Roosevelt commanding these fucking troops like a moron. So that's <laughs> what I'm dealing with over here. <laughs> uh, in the advanced, uh, the Rough Riders sometimes walked, sometimes ran through waist-high grass, brushes, and cactus. They would advance several yards and then kneel or fall flat, then jump up again and move forward again. Calisthenics. <laughs> we still teach this in the military. It's called I'm up, they see me, I'm down. Okay. You get up, say I'm up, they see me, and then get down, and then that's how you advance. Oh, that's that's actually kind of clever. So these guys were moving under bullet fire. Uh, so they're just trying to, you know, not be perfect targets. Okay, so, now, that makes a lot more sense. Again, I'm picturing like the Ninja Turtles running in uh, a couple yards, hiding behind something, running a couple more yards. Like I'm just getting all the wrong visuals over here. <laughs> so Roosevelt rode to the re rode to the rear of his column, the place the commander of his rank was expected to be. But as he followed and encouraged the last line forward, it over it overtook. The line immediately in front. Roosevelt rode ahead and urged his line forward to get some separation, but it too moved faster with Roosevelt behind it and overtook the line of skirmishers just ahead. So he's encouraging his troops. His troops are jumping like columns, so they're all bunching up. So Roosevelt's riding through his entire regiment, getting everybody to calm down, to relax, to get into a uh, uh, formation like they're supposed to. Oh, okay. He, see, this is just me. I don't know what's going on, you know what I mean, army-wise. Yeah. So okay. he, he rode Little Texas line after line until he found himself at the head of the regiment. Uh, but many officers in the other cavalry regiments between the Rough Riders and Kettle Hill had not received uh, generals the general's orders to advance. So like they're coming up on these other units that hadn't been given any orders at all because they were further forward. Yeah. So he rides up on these. Um, he came to several men of the 9th and 1st Cavalry's laying on the ground. Um, he asked the captain to, you know, advance with them. And, you know, they said they'd been ordered to keep his men, their men where they were, and they couldn't send them forward without approval from his colonel. Roosevelt promptly asked him, where, asked him where his colonel was, and when the captain couldn't point him out, Roosevelt said, then I am the ranking officer here, and I give the order to charge. Oh, listen to him. Mm-hmm. A few minutes ago, he, he was like goofy, saying, oh, shucks, forward march. <laughs> uh, this entire time, the Spaniards continued to pour volleys from the hilltop. Uh, so they're just shooting everybody the fuck up. 
Word spread down the line that one troop of regulars and then another was about to join the charge, orders or not. The cheer was taken up and uh, taken up again on the left in the distance, it rolled on and on. And so we started, Colonel Roosevelt of the Rough Riders started the whole movement on the left, which was the first advance of the assault. So Roosevelt basically led everybody up this fucking hill. He mudded everybody oh, to go to okay. okay, I give him that. I, I'm just I'm so irritated at him from that little gathering right now. Save that. <laughs> okay, I guess he's doing some heroic shit. Uh, the climb up Kettle Hill was like the advance across the mount valley. The men ran a few feet, then fell flat, firing their crags at the house, outbuildings, and trenches. The top of the hill sputtered like a disturbed volcano, remembered Arthur Crosby. And the hail of bullets spattered down on the troops moving upwards. Hmm. Roosevelt waved his hat from atop Little Texas, urging the men on, Rough Riders, Buffalo Soldiers, and white regulars from the 1st Cavalry. As they neared the summit, an odd metallic pinging could be heard over the gunfire. Um, several enemy soldiers were firing from behind the large cast iron kettles that we talked about. And okay. every time an American bullet hit it, it rang like a bell. Oh. So about 40 yards from the top, Roosevelt came to a wire fence put up by the Spaniards. He had already negated one fence at the base of Kettle Hill. There, some troopers had pulled up a few posts and knocked the fence down so he could ride across. But with the Spaniards now running out of the buildings and fleeing their trenches, there was no time if Roosevelt wanted to be in on the capture. He leaped out of the saddle, <laughs> jumped the fence, and ran towards the building. There's no glory if you're sitting on a horse. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So off he went. As Roosevelt rushed forward, two Spanish soldiers jumped out of a trench 10 yards away and fired at him. Uh, when the shots went wide, the terrified Spaniards turned to run. Without slowing his pace, he raised his revolver. The one recovered from the battleship main and fired once at each man. His oh. first shot missed, but the second one set its target headfirst into the dirt. <clears throat> Roosevelt would later write his friend Henry Cabot Lodge, did I tell you that I killed a Spaniard with my own hand? Oh my, that's not, oh, it's, uh, like, there I get irritated again, because that's not, like, shouldn't be proud of stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, a disorganized throng of men and officers from various troops converged on the top of the summit at the same time. Guide on bearers, which is the unit's flag, the regiment's flag, and company flags, uh, race to plant their staffs on the hill and climb it for their units. Um, I will say that myself, my guide on, and most of the E Troop, with a few of the 10th Cavalry, were first on the top of the hill, wrote New Mexico's Captain Frederick Muller. One of Muller's men can, also. Can I, can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah. Because when you said that last line, I honestly didn't know if you were going to be talking about Roosevelt or some shit you did in the service. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> Roosevelt later admitted that it was nearly impossible to say who was there first. Legit claims he said could also be made by troops G and F and two troops of the ninth cavalry, the later arriving at the top from the opposite side of the hill. But these were things to be argued later. The fight was not nearly over. The swarming troopers on Kettle Hill almost immediately began drawing heavy rifle fire and challenge from the earthworks and buildings on the long high ridge several hundred yards to their front, San Juan Hill. Okay, so now it's about to get crazy. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, to the left, Roosevelt could see lines of dark blue clad figures more than 1,000 men slowly climbing the hillside toward the San Juan blockhouse. They were part of General Jacob Kent's infantry division. Obviously, the proper thing to do was help them, Roosevelt said. He quickly gathered several men, and as an occasional shell burst over their heads, commenced sending volleys of Craig bullets at the blockhouse and surrounding trenches. Some Rough Riders fired from behind the same iron kettles in the same way the Spaniards had used them as coverage just moments before. Oh. 
For a good 10 minutes, Roosevelt and the troopers from the other cavalry regiments on the hill fired round after round into the Spaniards on the far ridge. Um, uh, it was later said of Roosevelt that he seemed to be enjoying himself immensely. Oh, man. Roosevelt continued to listen. Um, uh, all of a sudden, they started hearing a new sound, machine gun fire. Uh, Roosevelt continued to listen. The sound was different, and it was coming from the flat ground to the left, below San Juan Hill. Suddenly, Roosevelt jumped up and slapped his thigh. It's the Gatlins, men. It's our Gatlins, he yelled gleefully. Oh, okay, that's good. Uh, the Gatling was not a true self-acting machine gun. It consisted of 10 long barrels and a central shaft that rotated when firing, one barrel at a time with the turning of a hand crank. So you'd have to hand crank the sucker out. Yeah, man, I always thought those were so cool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there were four of these guns with the 5th Corps and a special detachment under the command of First Lieutenant John H. Parker Partners. Parker's Gatlings were the model 1895, the most advanced version of the weapon first patented in 1862. They were manufactured by Colt and fired the same 30 caliber round as the Krag carbines. 30 caliber machine guns. We can't escape them. Okay. Uh, oblivious to the bullets passing past them, Roosevelt stepped in front of his line, raised his pistol, high in the air and shouted, now by God, men, let's charge him. God damn him. He jumped the wire fence and started running down Kettle Hill, a grass valley with a small, shallow lake separated Kettle Hill and San Juan Hill. And on the crest above the lake was a frame house surrounded by an earthwork from which the Spaniards had been wrecking havoc on the men on Kettle Hill. Roosevelt intended to okay. take that house and the trenches but most of his men caught up in the shooting, cheering, and do dodging bullets did not hear the order to charge. They're just all excited. They're all just all excited to be at war. A trooper yelled, for God's sake, follow the colonel. But as, Norton, or as the trooper rose to join Roosevelt, a bullet slammed into his head, killing him instantly. After running mm. a few hundred yards, Roosevelt looked over his shoulder and saw only five of his men were following him. Oh. He, he stopped in his tracks, and two of the men with him were hit by Mauser bullets. He couldn't take the Spanish position with three men any more than he could with five. Lie down, boys, he told the troopers, and wait here till I return. Then Roosevelt left to fetch the rest of the brigade. It was a rare poor decision from a leader who was famous for his clear thinking in time of stress. Hmm. So he made another... So why, did, why, didn't, why didn't people follow him? They just, they just didn't hear him. There's so oh. much going on, man. They're still being shot at. There's gunfire happening everywhere else. They're shooting at the Spaniards. And Teddy Roosevelt's just like, hey, guys, come on, and takes off running. Okay. So he, he rides out there with five men, to die, he leaves three men out there, and then he rides all the way back to his line under fire on his fucking horse. Now, would you have recommended his men come with him? His three <laughs> men come back with him? I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, they were probably safer just laying down on the ground, but I don't know. They're being shot from elevation. I mean, you're kind of fucked either way. Yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like. Roosevelt was livid when he came back to his Rough Riders, but he quickly realized they were not to blame for remaining behind. So he thought like, man, these cowardice fucks, you know? These fuckers, uh, these yellow bellies. He said, even while I taunted them bitterly for not having followed me, it was all I could do not to smile and look at the injury and surprise that came over their faces. So he hurt their feelings. Oh, <laughs> these guys were generally hurt that Roosevelt's like, oh, you, you know, why didn't you guys follow me? You cowards, blah, blah, blah. You know, daddy, yeah. daddy T upset at them. Huh. Roosevelt wanted the other regiments with him on the charge as well. 
He ran over the General Sumner who had just arrived on Kettle Hill behind the 10th Cavalry and asked permission to assault the trenches. Sumner gave him the desired order. He knew there was no way in denying this man. Okay. Yeah, it kind of seems like that. The beautiful... <laughs> The notes of charge from a bugle cut the air, and all eyes were now on Roosevelt, just like he wanted. Uh, when he again jumped the fence, hundreds of men, Buffalo soldiers, Rough Riders, and white regulars followed, the Spaniards concentrating their fire on the charging mass. So he's going. Yep. So the ragged line of troopers flooded down Kettle Hill, with several of the long-legged men passing the huffing Roosevelt. Uh, the charging horde swung around to the right of the lake, although some men chose to wade through it. They went straight up to the, the steep open hillside towards the rifle pits and the fortified house on the ridge. It was the grandest sight I ever saw, wrote 2nd Lieutenant John Greenway to his mother. Another rough rider later described it as just a mob that went up a hill. If the Spaniards had been <laughs> able to shoot, we never would have made it to the top. Oh, boy. So he was more realistic, probably. Bullets rained down from the trenches while individual troopers stopped occasionally to return fire, but always climbing. Roosevelt heard William Pol Pollock, a Pawnee Indian, and Troop D let out an ungodly war whoop. Drunk on the glory of all, Roosevelt turned to his aide as they charged side by side and shouted, Holy Godfrey, what fun. Wow. This man is a nut job. <laughs> at least he's, I mean, at least he's in his element and not terrorizing cities. Oh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know, like if he's going to be a crazy dude like that, at least he's doing it at, at war. Uh, but holy Godfrey? Like, yeah, who's man, Godfrey? He's a hell of a comedian. <laughs> oh, man. I usually shit on people. But Godfrey has all my respect. He is a hell of a comedian. Yeah, he, dude, I uh, I follow him on Instagram, and it seems like every hour or so he's live with somebody doing some new skit or interviewing somebody. He just does not stop, and the quarantine has not stopped his drive at all. And that's just, you know, heartwarming to see. Yeah, it is. I agree with that. Because, you know, we've both met people that have been in this business for a long time. And just the grinding has really turned people into dickheads. And it's kind of mm -hmm. nice to yeah. see someone who's still passionate. Yes, I agree with that. Even even some of the nicer guys are kind of like dickhead-ish. Yeah. Huh. So, uh, you know who was kind of a dickhead? No, but you're going to tell me and we're going to transition back. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt. So, anyway... Uh, Rifle volley after rifle volley rained down from the trenches while individual... Okay, we already said that. As the troopers closed to 150 yards, the Spaniards begin to pile out of their earthworks and scatter. Man, it's time to go crazy then. Time's Man. running short. I'm pull out my, my swords and just go nuts. The time was 2.30 p.m. And after the climb up San Juan, in the stifling heat, the men desperately needed a halt to catch their breath. Meanwhile, the trenches and house were thoroughly searched. Roosevelt gazed upon the dead sprawled in the trenches, their crumpled forms, not unlike the dead soldiers in the old photographs of the Civil War battlefields he used to look at. All the, nostalgia here. all the regiments were mixed up, and some troops were now without officers, either killed or wounded. But Roosevelt was used to making order from chaos. He soon got the milling men or organized and started on another advance west across the hilltop towards Santiago. <sighs> Roosevelt double-quicked his line between 300 and 400 men to a point directly overlooking the city. Its house is visible only a thousand yards distance. Uh, just in front of the town was another line of defenses which now held the Spaniards who retreated from the top of San Juan Hill. Roosevelt hastily began to reform his troops to charge these positions, but as he did so, one of General Sumner's aides rode up to him and told him to halt the advance where he was. Hmm. He was told to hold the hill at all hazards. 
So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of foolish. To be, they already ran up two hills. Uh, ran yeah, up why, and ran why stop now? Well, I mean, the men were exhausted. This was like two hours, you know? Okay. And remember, they're wearing wool uniforms. They're already under, you know, underfed. Just, and most of these guys were out of water. Just give them a fucking breather. I know, Teddy, I know your big dick is pulsing with blood. But you just oh, you know he's got a down. raging. Oh fuck yeah, he does. He actually he didn't shoot that Spaniard. He stabbed him with his dick. <laughs> wow! And he screamed, "Bully, bully!" <clears throat> oh god! It was brought to Roosevelt's attention that most of his men, uh, before the fight, they had 100 rounds. Most of them were less than 30 now. Uh, he ordered a ceasefire to conserve the am ammunition and also to prevent his men from drawing enemy fire. Good call. Um, so over the next couple of days, we're going to talk about they, they fire at this line of Spaniards. There's a couple of small skirmishes, but really there's no more big battles. Um, <clears throat> the show of force really kind of uh, put the Spaniards on their heels, really. Good. Um, but shortly after this, this uh, Spaniards suddenly were out of their trenches. At least 400, maybe more, rushed forward to retake the hill. Someone yelled the alarm, and Roosevelt's men sprang off the ground and ran forward to the crest. They shouted gleefully, Roosevelt recalled because now they had a target out in the open to shoot at. Oh, man. Now we go back to Captain Parker and his Gatling guns. He was ordered by Colonel Wood to turn his Gatling guns on the men uh, advancing up the hill out in the open. Uh, <clears throat> so his guns uh, let loose. Um, uh, and very shortly, the Spaniards retreated to their trenches. <laughs> yeah, get the hell out of there. But once they got back there, they started returning fire on the Rough Riders on the hill. You know, artillery, just a bunch of chaos, a bunch of, you know, uh, hot lead and shrapnel. Yeah. One trooper remarked, why didn't God make a man like a mole so he could dig a hole and crawl in the ground? Woo, that's a hell of a thought. The enemy fire eventually uh, died down, and it was time for supper. The men hadn't eaten all day, and that's what they concerned themselves with. Makes sense. That's fair so, enough. So, like I said, um, before, before, at the end of the night, before going to bed, Roosevelt pulled his diary from his shirt pocket and made a hurry entry and pencil under the date of July 1st. Rose at four, big battle, commanded regiment, held extreme front of firing line. Hmm, okay, so succinct, but true. Another little fact for you. Do you know what famous battle during the Civil War started on July 1st? Uh, I'm just going to guess a battle, and it's probably going to be wrong. Um, battle of the Bull Run? No. Uh Gettysburg. Oh, Gettysburg okay. was fought July 2nd to July 3rd. On the 4th, when the Confederates retreated, uh, Vicksburg also fell in Mississippi. So that's why Gettysburg is known as the turning point of the Civil War, because not only were the Confederates defeated in the North, but General Ulysses S. Badass Grant uh, effectively cut off a supply route in Mississippi. Yeah, you bitch-ass Confederates. We we definitely will do a dive into Grant and then subsequently William Tecumseh Sherman because uh, he just burned everything. I heard Grant was so bashful that like he wouldn't even change in front of the other men. Yeah, there's um there's also because Grant would receive a lot of flack for how he commanded his men and he uh he wanted to quit and resign. But William Tecumseh Sherman said, no, man, your place is here. If you quit, I quit. If you quit, I quit, goddammit. 
Oh yeah, they were best of friends, man. That's why that's why Grant leaned on him so hard for the Georgia campaign because he knew uh, Sherman could do it. Right on. Well, that's dope. That'll be interesting. <clears throat> so back on San Juan Hill, the men dug in. Uh, they made trenches uh, again. <clears throat> The next morning, they're greeted from gunfire from the Spaniards just trying to push these men off the hill. Uh, uh, Roosevelt ordered his men to move halfway down the rear slope, making the hill serve as a natural uh, breastwork or guard. So, you know, uh, again, you know, this is what the Rough Riders were really famous for. Um, so, <clears throat> what had happened was General uh, Lawton's infantry moved in to position on the right of the cavalry dis division on the morning of July 2nd. They were supposed to be there in the afternoon on July 1st. Instead of the two hours Lawton had estimated uh, taking the small town, it turned out to be 10 hours of intense fighting. Mm. And uh, he had 81 killed and 360 wounded. His victory had been hard earned. Yeah, it's yeah, I'd say. So uh, Roosevelt was determined to give his men a break, and he could think of only one way to get that done. Uh, again, his men are out in trenches, and they're being fired at on a regular basis, and these trenches are cramped, and it's just it's kind of ungodly. These guys have to be hunkered it's down. It's just hell. It's just a hell. So Roosevelt wanted his men to get a break, so he would uh, get a new lineup. And uh, when the Spanish firing died down, he would run those men out. And then uh, after the, you know, the firing would pick up again. And once it died down again, he would have the other men run from the trenches back to the safety of the hill. Man. <clears throat> so we can, we can nitpick, nitpick uh, Roosevelt's leading style and stuff, but he, he really shows concern for his troops. He really... Uh, his troops' lives, other than wanting to rush up the hill, in his mind, he's probably thinking, like, I just want these guys to get in battle. I just want these guys to have glory. But after yeah. that was said and done, he was, you know, he took care of them. Well, that's nice. He seems like he did care about them. Um, and then they were being sniper fire uh, coming from trees and stuff. Uh, so he ordered... Um, so he ordered a group of, uh, of his special uh, sharpshooters uh, to kind of hunt out these snipers and kill them. Uh, Roosevelt's sharpshooters killed a total of 11 snipers that day and the next morning without receiving a single wound. Oh, I know that had to be beneficial as fuck. Oh, yeah. I mean, because they're hiding in trees and stuff at mm -hmm. a couple hundred yards. So, you know... I mean, they're just picking off troopers left and right. All right. So after they do that, does the does it go smoother? Yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, <clears throat> there, you know, over the next couple of days, again, there's firefights and stuff like that. Um, and they were uh, one night. There is a a volley of fire coming from the Spaniards. So everybody started, uh, re, you know, returning fire, but they couldn't see anything. And these men were just wasting ammo. Um, <clears throat> he, uh, so Roosevelt just basically went out and yelled at his men like, Hey, stop, uh, stop firing. Don't, don't fire until you see their enemy. Oh, you're you're wasting ammo and stuff like that. They, well, now were they just too antsy? Yeah. Okay. Too anxious to get in there. Um, shooting uh, between the trenches commenced again at daybreak on July third, as the morning's usual heavy mist obscured the view. View all up and down the American line, the soldiers were exhausted, wet, sunburned, and famished. They had been fighting now for more than 48 hours and mostly on empty stomachs, and there were no reserves to come to their relief. They were hanging to the crest of the San Juan Hills by their teeth and fingernails, wrote Richard Harding Davis, the war correspondent, and it seemed as though at any moment their hold were relaxed and they would fall. So they were just barely by a thread, huh? 
Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> one day, boom and a big gun suddenly sounded over the sporadic rifle fire from the enemy's trenches. Uh, it was 9.35 a.m. Several Rough Riders speculated that the American fleet was bombarding Santiago Harbor. Um, and they were correct. Remember, we talked about uh, the Battle of Santiago Harbor, where uh, you had the Spanish fleet were enticed out. Uh, and then yeah. we, you know, basically devastated their Navy. Uh, they were, you know, they were correct. Admiral, uh, the Spanish Admiral was making a run for the open sea. He declared that it was better to die fighting than to sink his ships in the harbor. Though he didn't die that day after a desperate fight lasting four hours and covering several miles, Spain's, Spain's Atlantic battle squadron was destroyed. The news of the American victory would not reach San Juan, San Juan Heights for a few more hours. About noon, shouts of ceasefire echoed all along the trenches. A flag of truce had been hoisted so, so that a letter from Schaefer to the commander of the Spanish forces could cross between the lines. Um, basically, he's, uh, General Schaefer was asking for the Spain surrender. Uh, okay. Uh, and the truce was also done for another reason. It was a tremendous morale boost uh, when the troopers, especially when the troopers learned that the Spanish fleet had been destroyed. When their, their regimental bands had lugged their instruments to the top of San Juan Hill, began playing the Star Spangled Banner, followed by the Rough Riders' unofficial anthem, A Hot Time in the Old Town. All up and down the line, the men climbed out of their trenches and cheered and whooped. Uh, the Spain declined to surrender, but Schaefer later extended the truce until 10 a.m. on July 5th so that people could evacuate the city. Get the hell out of here. Yep. Now's your time to go. So these men were witnessing uh, these civilians retreat, and they, they hadn't had food for days, uh, scarce food for months, and they were just, you know, skin and bones. Uh, Roosevelt did slow down just long enough on July 4th to write his official report of the San Juan engagement. Of the approximate 490 men he entered the fight, his casualties were 86 killed and, wound, and uh, wounded, and there were still half a dozen missing. The great heat oh. prostrated nearly 40 men, he said, some of them among the best in the regiment. The enemy heat stroke? Yes. Uh, okay. Heat casualties. The enemy's numbers were not mentioned in Roosevelt re reports. It was something he had no way of knowing, but in later discussions with various Spanish, or Spanish officers, he concluded that Schaefer's army had faced 4,500 Spaniards at San Juan. The actual figure, however, was 1,197, and of these, the enemy's first line, 521 officers and men had inflicted most of the damage as the Rough Riders and other regiments advanced. They outgunned and they outshot the Americans. They had the best position, but just, you know, under sheer will of the bodies thrown at San Juan Hill, they retreated. Okay. Like so in, we almost had the, uh, we almost had the Japanese strategy. Right. Like any good commanding officer, Roosevelt singled out in his report several Rough Riders for accommodation, uh, naming in all 40 officers and men. And as for Roosevelt, there is already talk of a Medal of Honor. Oh, boy. Uh, so the truce was uh, extended for several days, and it ended at 4 p.m. on July 10th, and the Spaniards opened up the festivities with heavy rifle and artillery fire from their trenches and batteries. Hmm. Yeah, so just back to, you know, old time and games. Yeah. Eventually, another uh, flag of truce was raised. Um, he forwarded, uh, General Schaefer forwarded another uh, demand for surrender of the Spanish forces. Um, setting off a new round of back and forth with the Spanish general. Uh, th that afternoon, the regiment was... Go ahead. At least they're talking. Uh, the, 
the Rough Riders were moved to a new position a quarter mile to the north where they were to guard the road from El Cane, and they left behind their old comrades, the Buffalo Soldiers of the 10th, and were now in between the 1st Cavalry and the 1st Illinois Volunteers. Okay. Yep. So everything's dying down here. On uh, July 14th, about noon, uh, about noon, the sound of cheering rose in the distance, growing closer and louder. News of surrender raced from man to man, trooper to trooper, and regiment to regiment. Roosevelt instructed his men not to cheer as he had received no official confirmation. But the Spanish general had finally agreed to surrender the city and his forces and on the condition that his men would return to Spain. So they won. They got Cuba. Okay. So it's over. <clears throat> this part is. Remember, they're I'm, still yeah, fighting they're, on okay. Puerto Rico. Uh, at 11.45 okay, okay. on July 17th, officers assembled their men on top of the long line of trenches for the formal surrender ceremony. Fifteen minutes later, the American flag was slowly raised over the governor's palace in the city. The artillery battle. Remember uh, from part two, uh, Captain Capron, who died uh, while leading his men forward in Troop L? Yes. Well, his brother was an artillery officer, and the artillery and his artillery battery fired a 21-gun salute, followed by the regimental bands playing the Star-Spangled Banner, My Country Tis a V. The Rough Riders cheered so loudly that many of them were hoarse. When they finally quieted, someone down the line yelled, what's the matter with the Rough Riders? And the ruckus started back up again. Mm. Let's see. Uh, the Rough Riders broke camp at 9 a.m. on July 18th, and it was a march of about five miles, and the heat was brutal. Fully aware of the weekend, condition of the troopers the cavalry officers uh made sure to keep the march to a slow pace okay okay That's but uh, 123 rough riders reported six sick the next day of the nearly 600 who had landed in cuba less than four weeks earlier only 275 were on the active list their new camp was next to a clear stream and a lush green valley but with the daily downpours, the camp soon became a muddy mess, or as one soldier remembered it, a lake. Roosevelt ordered the men to build up bunks in their tents to get them off the sopping ground. Man, so they, they can't seem to catch a break. Yeah, there wasn't much now for the men to do other than answer the morning muster uh, and draw rations. Roosevelt learned of a ship that had steamed up to Santiago's harbor loaded with cattle from South America. Do you think they would sell them? He anxiously asked one of his lieutenant. <laughs> they would. Uh, ben Colbert was appointed regimental butcher with orders to cut up one beef each day. We had fried tenderloin steaks for dinner and soup and stew for supper. Out of sight, Roger Fitch dotted in his diary on January, on not January, July 22nd. I bet they were pumped, man. I bet that was amazing. No one... Oh, dude, I couldn't imagine. Uh, no one knew exactly what was next for the Rough Riders or the Fifth Corps, for that matter. Shortly before the surrender, Roosevelt told his men they would be probably go to Puerto Rico within five days. But now, did he have any way of knowing that for sure? No. Uh, he even, of course, set sent letters to the Secretary of War, like, hey, let's get this going. Um, and this is kind of where uh, where Roosevelt kind of gets some hate because he, he, he was very eminent about, you know, his, his troopers not doing anything. He wanted to go to Puerto Rico or he wanted to go back to the United States to refit so they could go back to Puerto Rico. Um, I mean, letters appeared in newspapers of him just talking down on the Secretary of War. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, General Schaefer. And that just kind of, uh, you know, people don't like that. Yeah, it's going to rub people the wrong goddamn way. 
So on August 3rd or August 4th, news came that the Fifth Corps would be leaving Cuba from the United States as soon as possible. The soldiers and most American credited Roosevelt's letters for this sudden development. Ideally, the regiment would reunite on Long Island with troops and horses left behind at Tampa, get healthy again, and be ready for operation against Havana which was still under a blockade by the Navy, a campaign against a fortified city which held approximately 60,000 Spanish soldiers would probably take place in the fall. The invasion of the Spanish hell, uh, even though the invasion of the Spanish hell island of Puerto Rican had already begun. Okay. <laughs> so on August 7th, the men broke camp and started making pace for the harbor to board. Um, the the Miami. Uh, the next morning, about 7.30, the transport pulled away from the quay amid cheering from the shore and the soldiers on board. As the Miami steamed out of the harbor, its upper decks crowded with troopers and men clinging to the rigging, the 3rd Cavalry's band played a rousing set of Dixie, Old Folks at Home, Home Sweet Home, and Yankee Doodle, when the band played the Star Spangled Banner, the men took off their campaign hats and shouted and whooped. So, <laughs> you know, the only thing I'm wondering through all this is, have these guys eaten yet? <laughs> yes. Remember, they had cows. Yeah. I mean, did they get back and get some regular civilized food? So I'm worried about <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so after, you know, about a month and a half, little little under two months, uh, the Rough Riders did their thing, and they're leaving Cuba. They're heading home. Boom. They're out of there. So that's the end of part three. We are making this a part four again this week. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Johnny, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's very interesting. It's it's very detail-full, but very, very interesting. So uh, part four, we will talk about the end of the Spanish-American War. We'll have a discussion and we'll talk about, uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders being dispersed. Boom. Breaking apart, breaking uh, the band apart. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Y'all have a good night. Yeah. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Check us out on all streaming platforms and Facebook. Have a good night, everybody. It was a moonless night. I was 18 years old. Judgment
sense to a flow.